0: The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. John E. Sistina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today.
1: I need help getting out of my student loan debt. I'm so worried.
0: How am I going to afford taking care of my parents?
1: When's a good time to get into the market?
0: I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security.
1: I wonder if I have enough insurance.
0: I wonder when I can retire it's time to talk about your money managing to be wealthy our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you create better financial habits envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever our resident hosts of john e sistina and company are on deck to show you the way
1: Thank you for joining the Managing to Be Wealthy podcast where we bring the topics to help you do things better. I'm your host, Tracy Bennett, and joining me today are certified financial planners Craig Konstantinovich and Cole Hammock. Hello again. Hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> Back for round two. All right. Today's topic is one that I'm excited about. We're gonna have to be careful though on the uh, the, the details that we get into. So okay. let's everybody behave. But um, <laughs> I'm excited because this is literally a petri dish. I think we're all financial petri dishes for. Um, how to, how to do things, right? You know, mm-hmm, we all have sure. our, our stories, our mistakes, and I think people will really be interested in understanding and learning how to avoid those mistakes. Uh, today's topic is investment missteps, lessons learned, and best practices for success.
2: Ooh, baby. I like that lead-in. That sounds good. Yeah, right? It'll be a fun okay. one. Yeah.
1: So in today's digital world, you know, we're kind of sorting through a flood, and we talk about this a lot at the office. A flood of misleading information online um, and in ads, marketing, mm-hmm. and I think it can be pretty overwhelming. I mean, I myself um, will watch a program and see fourteen different examples of people claiming to be advisors and being able to manage your money and um, how to how to save money. And you turn you know turn on YouTube, you everything from the envelope system to envelope. Stuffing to mm-hmm. crypto, mm-hmm. Sure. Um, lots of lots of clickbait and lots of uh, tools and things that you can you could kind of really damage your future if you jumped in headfirst without understanding how it all works and seeking the help of a professional financial planner. So, we're going to put a few items on your radar as you get started. Uh, let's start with common investment pitfalls. I'm just going to go right into it, identifying the most prevalent mistakes made by investors. So. Without numbers, right? Mm -hmm. Without names. What are some mistakes people can make with their investments?
0: Quite possibly the very largest mistake is not investing. People just reacting. Fear. Fear. Focusing too much day to day on what's happening, what's happening in the markets, whatever market that may be, but (laughs) focusing just on the headlines as opposed to trying to truly invest and understanding that, if this is money that you're putting away, you shouldn't need it within the next five days, within the next 10 months, within the next five years, in a lot of instances. And unfortunately, a lot of people think, well, I've always been told I need to invest, but I don't necessarily know what I'm investing for or where I need to go. Mm-hmm. Because when you do good investing, good investing should be boring. It mm-hmm. should be like taking your medicine. You can't take the entire uh, jar of pills and expect to get better No, you got to take one pill daily, follow the regimen until you're completely all squared away and good to go. But unfortunately, a lot of people just hear, oh, I need to invest. And then they start focusing too much on what happened one day versus the next day. Where is my initial investment versus how much is it worth now? And so they're just reacting. They're not investing. So here's the deal.
2: Craig took my answer, (laughs) but my second answer, (laughs) not a second answer, it's okay, Okay, it's fine. Uh, But so, Craig, to your point is you shouldn't pay attention to everything, Mm -hmm. right? Fear sells, it's it's definitely good for the headlines, but it's bad for a financial plan, it's bad for investing, but uh, my idea is that you should be paying attention. So not necessarily to the headlines, but what you do have and what you do have access to because we've run into so many occasions where people have had like an old 401k an old 403b at an employer 10, 20, 30 years ago, where they just completely forgot about. Mm -hmm. They weren't paying attention. It was just kind of off their radar as they moved to another job, to another job over the years. So understanding what you have, where you have it, and then what sort of options do you have in your existing plans. So you definitely need to be paying attention to at least what's relevant to you. Mm-hmm. That way you have control of your financial plan and then block out a lot of that background noise. Exactly, Craig, to mm-hmm. your point.
1: Don't procrastinate taking care of it. Get mm-hmm. in there and deal yes. with it, right? Yeah. And it's what super
2: a- easy, too. Like, once it's done, to Craig's point, <laughs> you set it and forget it for the most part. Yeah. You don't have to actively be managing it every day. Your contributions are going to happen Good investing should be easy. It really should.
1: I see a couple of examples of the a certain demographic. I'll say I'll, I'll say mid late twenties to probably mid late thirties, uh, feeling like invest. They don't have to. They have lots of time to invest. They have mm-hmm. plenty of time to invest, and they they put their priorities. You know, house, family, kids. Um, Instead of in tandem with the need to prepare for retirement, they put retirement on the back burner because they think they have lots of time sure. um, or people that are risk-taking and knee-jerk reactionary to what they see on the internet. So how do you deal with that mindset to make people understand the value of compound interest at such an early age?
0: Cole, I'll let you take the lead on this one. Mister. Cool. <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I'm, <laughs> hang on.
2: All right, I know what you're going to say, so I'm going to take it. Perfect. <laughs> but no, uh, so the idea on that one, I think, is uh, you have to kind of understand that time <laughs> moves a lot quicker than most people are ready for. Mm-hmm. I, I have a hard time, honestly, conceptualizing that it's 2024 now. I know we're not supposed to say years, but it's 2024. The last four years have flown by. My son is nine months old now which is not okay. (laughs) It really isn't. Uh, So the fact that you can think in your your early 20s that, oh, I have plenty of time. You can think when you're 25, oh, I have plenty of time at 30, I have plenty of time, but those five years are just going to keep getting a lot faster. I promise. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the sooner you do it, one, the easier it's going to be because you start building your lifestyle essentially around what's left and not thinking that you're going to save what's left. So the to do really is start paying yourself first, even if it's just a little bit to get started. Mm-hmm. And the idea is you just, you set those contributions when you get that new job or when you get that raise automate. or when you get that bonus, you automate. Mm-hmm. So that way you're not thinking about, okay, well, after the fact, after I go on this trip or after my kid gets through college That's or whatever. That's what I hear, whatever, I want exactly. to buy a
1: house. All I've got plenty of time to save for mm-hmm. retirement. I want to buy a house first.
2: Yeah, which great, but then you have to work another five more years or another 10 more years because you waited so long. So that's the trade-off with it. You can wait, but there's probably going to be something that you have to give up on the other side of
0: Mm -hmm. it. Well, there's the other piece too, Cole. Maybe I don't have to wait to retire, but maybe instead of saving $10,000 a year, I now have to save $50,000 each year to reach the goal. So there is other levers that you can adjust, but I, I... forget the exact numbers. I know there's a a great chart that goes out there and shows it, but I think it's something along the lines of a 25-year-old invests $10,000 every single year for the next five years. Compare that to someone at 35 that's saving $15,000 per year up until they reach age 55. Who would you anticipate has more money saved up? It's going to be the second person, right? Because they're saving more, they're saving it for a longer time period, but when you look at the numbers, again, it's it's an example. It's not going to be 100% accurate, but you're looking at almost a half million dollar difference where the 25-year-old that saved early on is actually ahead because they had more time for compound interest to work. They had more time for their money to work for them. And so a lot of times I use that as, a, again, a very basic example. We've got tools, we've got calculators, we can help kind of illustrate this, but Life doesn't wait for anyone.
1: Yeah, let's go into that next. What are some great basic investment tools that somebody can use to get started? Let's, yeah. let's pick the top three.
0: So when you say tools, are you saying like calculators? Are you saying kind of accounts? Like,
1: I would say plans.
0: Plans? Sure. Yeah. yeah if, you're, so, if, you're,
1: if you're creating a financial plan that includes an investment account, where, what are the top three choices you should, you should consider?
0: Yeah. So, again, depending on your employer whatever employer-provided plan you have would probably be the first place that I would go. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of options. You usually get an incentive to do that by getting a matching contribution. And usually, because it's on a bigger scale than just an individual, the expenses or the investment fees are much more manageable. Next place that you would likely look, again, depending on kind of the situation, but assuming that you're fresh out of college, you're probably never going to be in a lower tax bracket than you are at that exact time. Roth IRA is a fantastic place for you to go. So that would be the next bucket that, that you would want to consider. Now, there's income limitations. There's other factors you got to be aware of. So proceed with caution. Contact an accountant if you do have those kind of questions. But that would be the next place. And then last but not least, depending on if you're eligible for the Roth, maybe a traditional IRA, or maybe if you do want to have maybe something saved for something that's not retirement, but maybe something that is further down the line, like buying a house in 10 years or like buying my dream car in my, you know, mid 50s, whatever the case may be, then maybe you consider something like a brokerage account or a taxable account, something that has an unlimited amount that you can contribute to. But you do have to pay taxes on it along the way based off of the good and the bad. I wouldn't change a thing with that answer.
2: <laughs>
1: okay.
2: <laughs> that's perfect. All
1: right, great. Let's talk about risk management. Taking managed. answers right out
0: of your mind. <laughs> Stop. <laughs>
1: let's talk about risk management <laughs> strategies, and let's first explain what's, what risk tolerance means, uh, what the implications are to somebody starting out, um, how that's done. Uh, let's let's go with that first. Uh,
2: it, it's very core. It's your ability to sleep <laughs> at night with the gyrations, the fluctuations in the market. So some people don't really pay attention on the day-to-day day to day of the market, suggesting that they probably have a pretty high risk tolerance. Right, They can afford to be a little bit more aggressive with their investing because they're not losing sleep. The alternative being if you're paying a lot of attention or if you are losing sleep or if you're nearing retirement, you probably shouldn't be so aggressive. There's a lot of reason where you should consider, okay, well, maybe we need to dial back a lot of that risk being something more appropriate for my uh, glide path toward retirement or helps me sleep at night.
0: Yeah, well, Comfort's key. Yep. And to that point, risk management, that's understanding what your level of comfort is with diversification. I know it's a word that a lot of people throw around, but at its very core, you're trying to look at how much am I aggressively invested versus how much am I conservatively invested? So going back again to the basics, when you're usually earlier on, when you're just kind of getting started, when you know it's not money that you need for another 30, 40, 50 years, you can usually have a significant amount in stocks, maybe 70, 80, 90, hundred percent. You can't do that to Cole's point on the glide path as you start getting closer to retirement. So as you do continue to age, you need to reassess that because soon, if we have another lovely 2008, if we have another lovely 2022 that comes along, if you're a hundred percent in stock and the market drops 30%, your accounts are going to be down 30%. Yep. That's not a risk that you want to take So now you need to start incorporating bonds into the mix to kind of be the buoy to help keep you afloat when there are those volatile times.
1: Okay. How do people protect their investments when they have, when we uh, have a landscape like we had recently during COVID where the market turned with market downturns or economic changes?
2: Yes. I think a lot of that depends on, on what you mean by protect. So if there's uh, prevent it from going down, you somehow have your crystal ball and you have everything in cash beforehand. No, no one's going to do that.
0: That is not investment
2: advice. No. (laughs) No, make sure that's in the disclaimer after the show here so I don't get in trouble. Yes. Uh, But uh, the idea is the market's going to go up. It's going to go down over time. So the way you protect it is by honestly not pulling out of the market when it goes down. Because the reality is you don't lose money until you take it out of the market. And that's such a key, I think, uh, philosophic point when it comes to investing is, no one's really made money or lost money until that comes out. So you need to be able to sit, wait that, that time out uh, because we know long-term things are going to recover.
1: So it's a marathon, not a race.
2: That's that, well said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's very well All said. right.
1: How do you diversify a portfolio and minimize the impact of the potential losses? Is that, is that a little intricate for today?
0: I mean, it can be, uh, you know, to the greater point, you know, it's kind of Yeah, it's looking at more so the macro level, like I was talking about, mm-hmm. you know, understanding your comfort level with stocks and bonds. Also understand that we're not just a single country that is driving markets. We're a global economy. We've got far more exposure to international companies than we've ever had historically. So you, you can, yes, skew your allocation, maybe have a U.S. bias, if you will, or whatever country you may choose, you can have a bias there. But just understand that our trade agreements that we have with Europe, for instance, that's going to all of a sudden create a different level of impact than all of a sudden maybe there's something that goes on in India, for example, where now all of a sudden maybe that economy starts to drop. Well, if we had all of our investments in India, we're going to realize that loss a lot more heavily than the upside that may be happening in Europe and vice versa if we have a slight skew towards European investments. So understanding diversification, it's, it's getting a better idea that there are large companies, a lot of times what people call blue chip companies, um, and then there's some smaller companies, and there's everything in between. There's large companies predominant economic uh, powers that are out there or economic countries. There's also smaller ones. Sometimes the smaller ones do pull a David versus Goliath, and they outperform some of the bigger ones. So it's just understanding that no one has, to Cole's point, that perfect crystal ball. If we did, we'd be sitting down in the Cayman Islands on our yachts, cool. you know, talking about this, not in beautiful Columbus, Ohio. So <laughs> Not
2: that there's anything wrong with Columbus, There's Ohio. absolutely not. We've chosen to make it home, <laughs> so it's beautiful.
0: <laughs>
1: So you kind of address the emotional investing versus like the rational decision making. I think we kind of already went through that, uh, helping people kind of remove the emotion from influencing their investments and seeking the help of a professional is really, really important. We talk a lot about... Uh, timing the market with our clients because that's that's a hot button. It's you yeah. know, the marketing kind of in my mind. The marketing <laughs> really influences your emotion as you're sitting there watching it and feeling you you, you, you can get FOMO very quickly, mm-hmm. um, and you can be be fear mongered to say, "Boy, maybe I'm not doing it correctly." Um, how do you suggest people avoid that?
2: Yeah.
1: Is there even a is there even a tactic for that?
2: It's- kind of the, the set it, forget it. Like we talked about, just mm-hmm. have a deliberate approach to investing because reality is you can get lucky uh, on, t- on timing the market. But when you start spreading that out over 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and you got lucky one time, that's not going to make that big of a difference in the grand scheme of things. So if you just set your strategy, whether it's a monthly contribution, bi-weekly, whatever frequency, and you stick to that, you're going to be successful.
1: Is there ever a time that you should have your advisor go in and reevaluate? I mean, this is what you guys do—you reevaluate the risk tolerance or the risk mm-hmm. oh, yeah. uh, status of clients, and what you know. I'm assuming somebody in, when if you have a client for 15 years, you check that, you know, mm-hmm. to make Absolutely. sure that the diversification is still mm-hmm. is still stable, right?
0: Yeah. So maybe to use even an example for the last two here: so timing the market, making sure that the risk tolerance is set let's say that we were one of the very, very unfortunate people back in 2002 when the Enron scandal broke. A lot of people in that company, they had stock options, they had their paychecks, they had their 401ks, all invested in Enron because they thought, man, this is the greatest company ever. I'm seeing great upside. Everything looks great. Well, then it came out that they were cooking their books and that all of that was just fiat money. Well, now people lost not only their jobs, they lost all of their savings, they lost everything. Now, trying to time the market with that, most people would say, hey, we're, we're continuing to go up. There's no reason for us to diversify to get out of this. I'm just gonna let it ride. Well, if we remove that trying to time the market and rather it created an established policy and objective, hey, I'm gonna sell off 10% of my Enron stock every quarter because I know I'm going to be getting more. And if the company keeps doing well, that stock price is only going to go up. That's a way that you can plan around it, take advantage of what's being offered, while not trying to have the headlines, the news of the day influence what our decision is going to be. Mm -hmm. So as long as you can, again, kind of take the emotion out, make things a little bit more uh, rote with this, the better off you're going to be and the more successful you're going to be. It's got to be objective. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: It's hard.
1: How can you apply – how can somebody apply, apply insights from, like, past mistakes in, in investing to make better successful decisions? I mean, is that sort of just a hit the wall and then go a different direction?
2: Essentially. You, know, right? you just have to it's, learn it's from li-
1: – literally learn from your mistakes.
2: You do. Like, I know uh, my dad, one of the things he'd always tell us growing up is, don't make the same mistakes I did. Don't mm-hmm. make the same mistakes I did. So pay attention to other people. What went wrong? Or – yourself even look introspectively, what did I do wrong? Why am I where I am? Mm -hmm. How can I do this better? Mm -hmm. You just have to be introspective.
0: Yeah. And in in all honesty, don't look back and say, hey, well, I can't ever make that mistake again. I mean, it depends on the severity of the mistake, obviously, but if you continue to invest with a rear view mirror and just think, oh well last time I did this I made a huge mistake or oh this was a bad situation. Or if I got into Apple in nineteen ninety, <laughs> think of how much money I'd have right now. <laughs> oh boy, how many you don't want do to go down that. Nope. <laughs> no. Because you don't have that time machine, you don't have that mm-hmm. opportunity to know it. So you can't beat yourself up over those mistakes. But you got to learn and adjust from them. Exactly.
1: Right. Great advice. So, by learning from past mistakes and sticking to smart financial principles, uh, you can confidently sound like you can chart your own financial future. And that's that's what we're here to kind of reinforce. Uh, if you need help with your financial planning, give us a call for a compliment, complimentary consultation with one of our certified financial planners. Uh, this is what we do every day. Uh, we're, we'll be able to sit down and go through your financial baseline and help you fill the holes that may be needed uh, and do things a little bit better. And learn and increase your financial literacy so that you're not part of the misstep category. Stay tuned for more financial tips in our next episode. We are Managing to be Wealthy.
0: That's a wrap for today's episode of the Managing to be Wealthy podcast. We help you make the most of your money without any hidden fees or commissions. Remember, the best investment you can make is in yourself and your financial future. Keep listening for more expert advice and tips. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. To schedule a one-hour complimentary consultation to discuss your financial concerns, visit our website, managingtobewealthy.com.